Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. guys excited tonight i'm super excited i've been chomping at the bit for a while now uh, tonight i want to talk to you about good works if you would get your pen and notepad out i want you to take some notes uh i got a little bit of an echo josh if you would take care of that for me i got a little bit of an echo scott's headed that way just go ahead and get your bibles open So go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We're going to start there. I'm going to take a minute to pray some more. And I'm going to stop throughout and we're going to pray. Uh, so you just have your, your, your just spirit ready because I just, as the Holy Spirit highlights specific things to me tonight, I want to make sure we take time and we water it with prayer. Uh, so Ephesians chapter 10, 2, verses 10. I'm going to read this scripture and then I, I'm going to take a minute to pray. I'm not going to be in a hurry tonight, okay? So y'all just hang with me. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 uh, says for we are his workmanship everybody say workmanship Uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus everybody say created for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works okay I want this is a huge scripture this is a huge, he's literally declaring your purpose in this scripture right here. You don't have to look for the will of God. You don't have to search for the will of God. We're going to declare it tonight. We're going to make it very clear tonight. And we're going to see something very specific. He said, you were created, very specifically, you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your loving, sweet presence in this house tonight. God, God, let it be your words and not mine. Your no opinion, not myself, not my name, not my ministry, but yours, Father. That you would build something in this house tonight. That you're forming something through worship, through the prophetic word, through the gospel preached tonight. God, that is going to take us into a new depth, God. As we get ready, we're in the last month of 20. 2019. We're preparing for 2020 and to have 2020 vision. God, let that be what is taking place. You're wiping away some fogginess in our vision tonight through the gospel. Declare it, Holy Spirit, your words, not my own, that we may get good vision, clear vision. Some people are going to step into a clarity you've never had in 2020, a way of hearing the Lord like you've never had before in 2020, and you're going to stop searching so much in 2020. You're going to seek the depths of God's heart, but you're going to stop doing vain searching in 2020. You're going to have direction. You're going to have vision. You're going to have clarity. You're going to seek the Lord with purpose and potential in your heart. Promises in your hand like stones in David's sling. You're going to know what your giant is. You're going to know what your tools and your weapons are. You're going to go into 2020 with a vision, writing it plain, and we're going to see the manifestation of the glory begin to flow out of Caldwell and LaSalle Parish and begin to to affect poverty throughout Louisiana. God, we're going to see industry come, work come. We're going to see families come into restoration and riches through the Holy Spirit because we see it rightly. We know our commission. We know our purpose. And we release it with clarity. In Jesus' holy name. Oh, yeah, my yes, Satan. 
Jesus' holy name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Okay, I want to slowly just work down and break this scripture down. But tonight I want to talk about good works, and then I'm going to talk about gifts of the Spirit and just some bad theology we've kind of had around some of those things that I've just kind of been experiencing a lot in life lately, and the Lord's had me on. But this first thing I want to talk about tonight, because you are created for good works, uh, you... Every one of us. It's not a works issue. It's not a relationship and works. And I'm trying to figure out the difference between the two. Your design, your purpose in life is good works. You, you are physically and emotionally, everything about you is designed and intact for a purpose. And that's good works. It's not for the ministers like he was talking about a while ago in that prophetic word. It's not about a futuristic version. It's not about a perfected version of you. It's about your design is good works. And I want to just break down and dismantle some stuff because sometimes in the in, in what I've noticed, I want to talk about a lot of personal experience, but sometimes what I've noticed is we we it's it's like the Mary and Martha mentality. We're trying to choose between relationship or good works. And if if somebody has too much good works, it's because they don't have the Mary and relationship side right. But if if I have too much relationship, I get disoriented and I don't really make any time and I don't have any fruit coming out of my life. And it's it's the fact of the matter is when Jesus came and died for us, he wasn't saying you have to be one of the two. He was saying, I'm going to make sure you have the right priorities so your purpose is manifest and you never have to search for identity in your purpose. Okay? So uh, y'all just stay with me. I'm going to work through it. We are his workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are his workmanship. First and foremost, before you can do good works, is you have to understand what you are and whose you are. Because if you don't, you'll try to find your purpose in your good works. And if your good works aren't to the standard you, for some reason, are comparing yourself to others, then you'll begin to research identity, reevaluate your identity, and then therefore your good works become your weight that will drown you in a depression that you can't meet a standard. But when you understand identity, and in this very scripture where he talks about about your purpose, he declares who you are first. Workmanship right here means poema in the Greek. Poema is where we get our word poem for. You heard uh, uh, Kamal preach this the other day. Poem is where we get from poema, is where we get the word poem or poetry, meaning created by. The I, I'm not a very poetic person, but it, there's always been one thing that's fascinated me about poetry, and when I hear somebody that's good at poetry, but I begin to just talk to the Holy Spirit, and I'm like, why do I appreciate poetry? Why do we appreciate a poem, something? Because it's so unique and creative and personal to the person that's releasing something from the depths of their capacity. In other words, it's a person that's had a journey and from the depths of their experience, they release something so individualistic, so original, so characterized just to them that we're in awe that they could put words to their journey that brings a fresh perspective of who they are. That's what a poem is. It's, it's, it's so amazing to see somebody in their individuality released into words. And that's what you are. From the depths of God himself's capacity, he originated you. He thought of you as an original. He was so creative in who you would be and whose you are and what you are. Your personality, the way you look, the way you function. Everything about you was so original, so specific that he didn't 
didn't leave anything out, Cody. He didn't want to. He didn't leave something out. And if you would have added that, you would have been more like your purpose. No, no, no. He he gave you everything you need. You're his poem. You're his expression of creativity. You are God's expression of his joyful creativity. I love it here lately. I've been hunting a lot more because my dad is awesome and he's been making provisions for me and my wife to hunt. And my wife got her first deer the other day. That was a lot of fun. But one of the things that just blows me away when I'm sitting on the stand is just watching the trees and the leaves blow and the grass move and just birds move and squirrels move and just watching nature come alive in the morning and watching it go to bed in the evening is so amazing to me. And what's so amazing to me is how creative creative God was with every individual thing. And if, if we take road trips, we'll be in awe of people who take amazing pictures of awesome landscape and valleys and hills and mountains and streams. And we're in awe of all this beauty, but we don't really have a very awe perspective of ourselves because the very God that created these rivers and these mountains and all these sophisticated, amazing, complex organisms and all these different things, he put that same effort into you and making you the way you are. He, he didn't leave anything out. He didn't screw up when he made you. He didn't miss something when he put you on the planet. He got it just right. And there's a reason you are struggling in the areas you're struggling in because Satan is coming after your origin. He's not trying to come after your purpose. He's trying to come after your origin. Because if he can screw up in your mind, I'm sorry about that language. Uh, if he can mess up in your mind your origin, he, he you'll never even get to your purpose. Because it, when I, uh, this iPad was designed, it was designed with specific purpose in mind. It was created. The one who created this, Steve Jobs, when he created, was it Steve Jobs? Who was it? Apple. Apple, I thought that was Steve Jobs. But whoever it was, when Apple uh, designed this thing, it's because they were, they were designing it with a purpose in mind. When, when they designed this cajon, they designed it with purpose in mind. It had a very specific workmanship involved in its design because the originator, everybody say originator. That's God in your life. When he originated you, when you were the first one, when you were the first one like you, the only one like you, when he was writing you as a poem on the earth. Because here's the thing. If you don't know you're created with a purpose, you'll just believe you are born. And there's a difference between believing I'm born, I'm, I'm the, uh, the outcome of two people's lust towards one another or two, two people's relationship. If I believe I'm just born and not created, I can never get to the fact I have a purpose. I can't even understand what my purpose is if I just think I'm the result of a bad relationship or a marriage that just wanted kids. If I just think I'm born and I don't know I'm created, then I can't wrap my mind around the fact I've got purpose. Because when, when somebody creates something, they're not just creating it for no reason. They thought of something, they seen a need, they created something, and the design was so specific for the need they were creating that creation for. So if I don't understand I'm created and I just think I'm born, I was teaching this to the youth the other night, you're not just born. You're, not, you're just not the epitome of a marriage or a broken relationship. You were created. David even said it, I formed you in your mother's womb. When you graduate from I'm born to I'm created, you understand you're not just the result of a love relationship between a man and a woman. Then you understand God was involved from the very beginning. So it's easier for you to wrap your mind around your potential and your purpose because all of a sudden you realize I'm created because see here's the beauty of being created you get to worship the creator 
and you don't worship creation. Because you'll begin to worship yourself if you believe you're not created with a purpose because then you begin to self-assess. And if I'm not getting it just right, I begin to make myself my God because God can make things right and make, He designs, He creates, and all of our nature comes from Him. But we begin to worship ourselves when I don't understand there's a creator behind my potential and my purpose. Because when I understand there's a creator, I worship creator. I am created, so there's a creator that was designed to be given glory, honor, and worship. But when I don't understand that I have a specific design in mind, I can become the attention of my worship. And when I become the attention of my worship, then my life begins to be shaped around my failures, my disappointments, and my own struggles. Because no longer am I created by the one that was spoke things into perfection. All of a sudden, I'm the result of my own mess. Sometimes, yes, we are. We are the results of our decision. But when we turn our focus to I'm created with purpose and potential, then all of a sudden, my worship begins to be channeled towards a creator instead of creation. That is why Satan, uh, let's make sure I didn't get ahead. Yeah, we're still fine. Uh, that's why Satan is so after our boys and girls right now and transgender and, and, and you choose your, uh, your origin and what kind of, uh, what you are, your sexuality, your sexual, whatever you want to, the word is losing me right there. I'm losing it. But well, you know what I'm saying? There, it, it, there's a, there's a spirit in the United States right now. It's coming after origin. But see, this is not the first time. See, in the Bible, uh, 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 Jesus even called, uh, demonic spirits by their function. Uh, when the boy was deaf, uh, he called a deaf and dumb spirit out of him. You remember that? And, and he would call a lame spirit out of somebody who couldn't walk. So spirits tend to get named by their functionality. And that's what origin. There's a demonic spirit in the United States that's going after the origin of what a child is and what a man and woman is. Because if he can get your origin, you'll never get to your purpose. Because if you don't understand you are created, you'll never understand why. That's why right now in the United States, it's it's so easy for me to be searching. I'm trying to find myself. That's why people go to college and they'll go for astronomical amounts of time and never step into any career or do anything with their life. It's, it's because I'm constantly searching for who I am. Because origin has been so disoriented and so displaced and it's been put in the, the faith is in the creation instead of the creator. And because of it, we don't know what our purpose is. And because of it, we spend our lives on a journey to find identity when journey of identity was meant to be found at the cross. It was a one-step program. Step in, you're in it, identity. But see, here's the thing. If I can spend your whole life getting you to figure out who you are, you'll never figure out what you were supposed to do. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to get to this side because we want to make sure we don't mess up identity. Yeah, identity was supposed to be intact through relationship. We see it in Mary and Martha. Mary put uh, a value on the most important thing. What was that? Sitting at the teacher's feet. Martha, I don't believe, and this is my theology, I don't believe Martha was in the total wrong until Jesus got there. Because it said Martha was preparing for him to come to her house, right? That's what it says in Scripture. She was making preparations. And then Jesus got there, and she's still making orders that Jesus didn't give. Like, she, what, what did one pastor say? He's, she's making sandwiches Jesus didn't order. But in other words, she was still preparing when the teacher was there. 
What we have to understand is be so connected to presence that I sit at the feet and keep the most valuable thing, the most valuable thing, so that when the teacher is teaching, I'm being equipped, I'm being restored, I'm being renewed in my mind and in my identity so that I can go forth and fulfill purpose. But see, if I'm always in this dysfunctional cycle of not understanding who I am, then I never get to purpose. And Satan would love for you to spend the rest of your life trying to figure out who you are. Because if you're in a a never-ending process of identity, you can't fulfill anything. Because you don't understand whose you are and what you are and what you're for. You were created with a purpose. And if I can get you to misunderstand who you are and try to search for it for so long then you never start to fulfill purpose. Let's, let's continue to look at this. Oh, I got this. Uh, I just put this in here. There's 7.7 billion people on the planet as of April 2019, totally unique in expressions of God's creativity and love. I just wrote that just so you can know it. Because it amazed me today because God was so specific and you're an original and there's 7.7 billion that he didn't even... Oh, it's just good. You are created in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We're still there. Created. You're created. You're not just born. You have someone, God himself, the Father, who thought of who you would be and then breathed it into existence to come onto the earth. It says in the word of God that you are on the planet for this time. For such a time as this, this is why you exist. You are not here with no purpose. You're not here at this time, at this given state of the United States, of this state of the planet. You are here right now for specific purpose because Creator God, our Father, said that's when I want them there. I'll mold them in the womb because that's when I want to get them there. Ben is here today. There was a baby that was lost. Ben came today. He's two months old right now because my nephew was thought of from the foundations of the world and then he went into my sister's room and formed him that he would be here at this specific time and be raised at this specific time with these specific attributes and these specific facial features because he has a design and a purpose and a plan that God says he predestined so if that little man catches that from the very beginning of his existence when he knows the difference between right and wrong he will not have to search for identity he'll understand identity he'll stay seated and then he'll fulfill purpose he won't have to wait till he's 50 and I get secure in my relationship with Jesus and now the last few years of my life I can manifest the glory. No, if you understand it now, you can manifest it in a minute. In the next minute. You understand now? This minute you can manifest your purpose. This this right here. You don't have to wait six years. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to wait till pastor gives another prophetic word. When you understand identity, then you know you have a purpose and then you can fulfill your purpose. Good works. You are created in Christ Jesus. Let's, let's, let's talk a little bit more about origin, okay? I got to make sure we understand this because if you understand what Satan comes after, you can identify lies more quickly. You don't have to spend near as much time thinking about things that don't empower you to be who you actually are. Because here's the thing. Help me, Holy Spirit. If he'll come after who you are, and get you to question who's and who you are, then you don't understand why you're made. And then you'll search for that. Uh, He did the same thing with Jesus. 
Jesus went through his 40-day fast, and he's in the wilderness. And when Satan comes to tempt him in the wilderness, he says, If you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. After three times, I love it because I believe Jesus got a little bit angry at him and got a little aggressive. You know, like we need to do sometimes. Get a little backbone about it. He just said, Get away from me, Satan. And then he quoted the scripture. But it was so amazing to me. He used the exact same tactic on the second Adam that he did on the first Adam. He went after Eve and said, if you are, why won't you eat of it? Because if we eat it, we're going to surely die. You, you won't die. He's lying to you. If you eat it, you're going to become like him. But what was their design? Like him. He went after the origin. He went after the beginning of the design. Got her to question the beginning of her design. And then she reached for more. And out of it, look what she did. It says that she relinquished over authority into Satan because when Jesus came back, he said, what did I come to do? Give back authority. Because in Psalms chapter 115, we see that the heavens of the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth belongs to the sons of men. So from the very beginning, the design was the keys were given to me and you, Adam and Eve, mankind. The key was given to them because it says when Jesus was tempted by Satan, he said, I'll give you all these kingdoms. They've been given to me. They were given to him by mankind. When they didn't understand where they come from, they gave up their authority. What's your authority? Your purpose. They gave up the reason they were here when they didn't understand where they came from. If he can get you to question where you come from and whose you are, you'll give up your purpose. He don't have to go after your purpose and fight you on your battlefield. He just have to go after where you came from and where your beginning's at. That's why he's going after children like he's going after. They're trying to put in laws that say you can decide if you're a boy or girl because he's so relinquished. He's going all the way back to six-year-olds and seven-year-olds for them to make the decision of who they'll be because he knows if I can get all the way back to the origin, I don't even have to worry about purpose. Because if I can distort your origin, I'll ne- you'll never even get to your purpose. Satan comes after origin, because if I'm not sure of my origin, I'll never be sure of my purpose. All right, now let's go into good works, because I've got to have time to go into gifts, too. You were created for good works. A lot of times, y'all are like predicting, oh, he's going to talk about healing. I'm going to talk about healing, but I want to talk about some other things, too. Uh, There's this guy that my wife met when she was at Harvard School. He was one of the preachers there. His name's Kurt Wilson. And he made a statement one day. My, My wife was cleaning the house, and she was listening to a message. And he made this statement in his message. He said, you have to visit the sick before you can heal the sick. I was like, wow, that's really good. But for some reason, it just stuck in the back of my mind. And I began to think on it and meditate on it over and over and over. And before I noticed it, I began to say, he's talking about good works. Because, see, I, I, I am. I'm adamant to jump to healing because I'm adamant about us seeing the supernatural follow us because it's our inheritance. We should be walking in. But, see, there's other things, too. Y'all don't see it when we go build the porch for the lady whose porch is falling in and we just go do that on the side or we go take groceries somewhere or we do the little things, the things that we overlook majority of our lives because we're looking for the big thing or I'm looking to be, I'm looking to be noticed by what I'm going to do. I need to look for a p- position or I need to get everything in place before I do the little thing. 
But see, what I'm understanding is what, what's supernatural is a life full of the little things. Because see, the more little things I do, the more I seem to be catching the heart of God. And the more I begin to catch the heart of God, the more I seem empowered for healing. I know you can't make sense of that, but I'm just telling you from experience. The more I do the little things, the more that I do, I visit the sick, the more I begin to see the sick healed. The more I buy the groceries, the more I begin to see breakthrough in the supernatural because God takes it personally what you do to his creation. He said, if you do it under the least of me, you do it under me. God was saying, I take it so personally when you go fix our porch. I take it so personally when you go buy her groceries. He was literally saying, when you go buy groceries, you're doing that for me. He said, he takes it so personal. He ties himself to his creation. He is not a distant God, even from the unbeliever. Because uh, David himself said, even if you make your bed in hell, I'm there. Because it doesn't mean that God's not there. It means they don't receive the love he has for them. But God takes it so personal that he said, if you do it under the least of these, you're doing it under me. And he began to rattle it off. He said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. They said, when did we do that? When you did it under the least of me, you did it under me. When you did it unto the least of who you believed was worthy of it. When that guy was holding the sign and you just knew he was going to go buy alcohol with the money you was going to give him, he was the least. And you decided out of an opinion to decide whether you would do good works or not. I wasn't designed to figure out what the man was going to do with the money. I was designed to do it under the least of thee. So I'm doing it under him. And when I see Jesus on the corner with a cardboard sign, it makes it a lot easier to give whatever I've got in my pockets. Because all of a sudden I don't realize I'm trying to be a pastor. I'm trying to be a missionary. I'm trying to be an evangelist. I'm trying to be a worship leader. No, I'm just trying to do the little things really, really well. And because, because all of a sudden I understand it through, through my created value. I'm not searching for value. I'm not out here looking for a position or somebody to promote me I don't need you to because I got it right in the workmanship I'm a poem I'm walking around I'm the fragrance of God I am an original version so when I go to the stop sign and there's somebody that needs money I don't need to evaluate how helpful I'm going to be because I already know my purpose and it's for good works and that's going to be a good work because I'm doing it to Jesus I talk too fast don't I we'll get the podcast you can pause it I'll start pausing I'm oh, sorry. And anyway, <laughs> uh, but see, this is what I want us to get good at in 2020. I, I, I want to put a high value on the good works because he said you were designed for it. So see, I, I, I grew up with people going, I, I want to know the will of God on my life. I, I get that. I, I really do. I, I get it because we want purpose. Because, see, if you don't understand purpose, you'll keep praying, God, show me your will. Show me your will. I'll pray and I'll fast. Show me your will. And then I'll pass up the lady in front of me that's got kids going crazy that needs her groceries paid for because she's struggling. But I'm in here praying hour after hour, fasting, studying, and praying, God, give me your will. And then get up and pass a man boot, uh, 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 shaking me down for money at the stop sign. God, show me your will. I, I want to be used. I surrender. I surrender. And then we'll pass people up constantly because it ain't big enough. We ain't put a high enough value on it. Or, in, or entail, I'm still looking for identity so I don't know my purpose. But can you imagine a group of believers? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this at all. I, I just see the impact. Just me and my wife putting a high value on the things. Can you imagine if an entire body, an entire community put a high value on the good works 
that if I do it under the least of these, not necessarily when the girl gets out of the wheelchair or the cancer tumor falls off, but when I buy the groceries, when I, when I pick somebody up, when I give them a word of encouragement, when I uplift them, when I shoot out that text message, when I take personal responsibility for my personal purpose. But see, here's what I am discovering through this study. That often we tie good works to what I'm good at. Can I tell you, when God got ready to start commissioning evangelists and uh, intercessor prayer warriors, he didn't say, oh, he is uh, outgoing, so I'll make him an evangelist. Well, you have an introverted personality, so I'll make you an intercessor prayer warrior. No, no. Because, see, here's the thing. is I've, I've heard it before. I've heard somebody say it before. Uh, uh, we'll bring in a specialist. And I'm a specialist. I, I, don't, I don't find that here. I, I haven't found the specialist verse yet. I haven't found that I'm a specialist in one avenue. Because all I keep reading in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is Jesus' example. And he wasn't a specialist at anything but what the Father was doing. All he did was what the Father was doing. He didn't say, oh, no, no, I'm a healing specialist. You need to call Paul because he gives prophetic words. But see, here's the thing. I'm going to go into the scripture that we pull that out of. I'm going to show it to you in a new light because we try to tie our good work to what we're good at. And because of it, we are not the fullness of the Godhead. But when I understand I have what is needed, everybody say it, I have what is needed. You have whatever is needed. You don't have to be a specialist. I don't want to be a prophet, Scott. God, it sounds like you got a lot on your plate. I don't want to, uh, uh, to hold the office of a prophet because you are the hand and I may be the arm. And I'm going to go into it. These offices, these things we think people are specialists at was for one purpose. The equipping of the body. It was to make the body, we are one body in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to show it to you through the scripture that the gifts, these things we call gifts, we believe that you are a specialist. So if it's about healing, I need to call somebody that's got the gift of healing. And I'm going to read that in a minute. I know, just stay with me. And then if somebody's going to prophesy, I need to call the prophet up to give the prophetic word. No, all of these things were for the equipping of us. I may be stronger than you in an area. It's because you need to release something I can grab hold of and raise up. I think about uh, uh, a lot of times people tie healing to me when they talk about it in the church. And I, I get it, but it drives me crazy because it for some reason makes this perspective that I'm stronger in it, so you aren't going to get there. And, and it, it's so unbiblical because you have the same availability to healing that I do. But here's the thing. I sat on this pew one night and I watched the Holy Ghost movie and I seen a guy, a guy named Todd White. And in that movie, he began to operate in words of knowledge and healing. And I'd never seen that before. So in that moment, I looked up there, a man who had been given a gift to equip me, the body. I said, if he can do it, I can have it. So then I went out there and I utilized what I had seen and revelation had brought to my heart. And I began to walk in healing. It wasn't that a, some gift came and, a, and I unwrapped it one day. I just said, oh my God, if, if he can do that, I can do that. A 22-year drug addict can do that. I, this, this little nobody can do that. I, I can do that. So I went and started praying for people. And healing began to follow my faith because I believed it in somebody who was sent to equip the body. I didn't say he has the gift of healing. I hope he comes to Columbia. Man. 
I bet if we, if we do a healing service and get a bunch of money raised and he, we'll pay his fee to come. We'll get everybody here and Columbia will be healed because he's got the gift of healing. But that's what we look at people when they work in a strong area. No, that's why they're a hand and you're a foot. But the body does something together. When I get ready to go walk, I don't go, all right, feet, go. No, go, take off. I want to go to the grocery store. Feet, go. No, I go together because I'm one body. And what we took that, we took it out of context for the fact of because he's prophetic, he does all the prophetic stuff. And because I've, I've seen breakthrough and healing, I do all the healing stuff. Or because you sing, you do all the singing stuff. Well, you probably do need all the singing stuff. I probably don't need to sing. But here's the thing is we've become a, a, a church full of specialists. And if you're not a specialist, you don't have any impact. So you don't fulfill your purpose. And let me tell you something. When you're not fulfilling your purpose, you will encounter greater frustrations in your life than when you are. You will actually have greater battles than when you are fulfilling your purpose because you, it's just like an abandoned house. It's amazing to me when you just a family walks off and leaves a house. It literally will just literally start breaking down. It will literally begin to fall down just in within no time. Just because it's not being used for its purpose. And it amazes me because it's, it's, it's the same house. And you would think if you took the wear and tear off of it, it would just stay there and be good. But when you're not fulfilling your purpose, you literally begin to turn inward. Just like that house. It just begins to come in on itself. We do the same thing in our faith. It's, it's just an example. It, it, when I'm not fulfilling my purpose, I begin to look inwardly. And the more I look inwardly, the more I begin to take my eyes off a of creator. Because if I know I'm created with a purpose, I have to continue to look at the creator so that I continue to know the purpose. And if I don't know I have a purpose and I'm not fulfilling my purpose, I'll continue to revisit why am I created. And I actually take on greater and more battles when I don't fulfill purpose than when I'm being. <clears throat> Does that make sense? I hope so. I studied about it a long time. <laughs> I want to talk to you about some stuff. Uh, go to 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. I'm going to put my shoes on while you're doing that. There's no sense in getting that crazy. Did you lose a shoe or two? I hope everybody's still alive in here. Y'all don't even laugh tonight. Whew. That's right. I was just about to start dance worshiping. You're lucky. Got out of it early. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. Okay, I want to look at this because I, I don't want you to look at this. If I become so works-focused, I'm going to lose relational. That's why I talked about the workmanship first. You have to understand you're created so you keep your eyes on the creator, but that doesn't stop your purpose. You don't lose purpose when you start doing good works. I, I went through this for a little while, and I am a busybody, so I have a tendency to fall towards the wrong side. In other words, I'll tendency to get too busy. And sometimes I tend to do things that God just is not asking me to do, just, just out of wanting to be busy. I get that. But what I begin to know is I begin to have this fear within myself that if I keep doing good works, then I'm losing relationship. And that is the biggest crock I've ever heard because it's not true. The more, but Because see, here's how I figured it out. I, 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 don't, uh, I can't go into that. Uh, 
But like six months now, I'm just now on the other side of this, for about, probably about eight months. Eight months, I begin to pull back on everything for about eight months. I just begin to pull back, and I would do more relationship stuff than I would do good works. I, I just kind of started shutting that side of my life down uh, or pulling the reins on it. But here's what I couldn't figure out is the more relational I did, the more relationship I sought, the more I poured into Jesus, the more I burnt to do that. And I, I started getting internally frustrated because the more I found out about Jesus, the more I wanted to go give him away. The more I found out about Jesus, the more I wanted to pray for the sick. And before I knew it, I was burning so hot, I, I was in this internal struggle that if I get out of relationship and go to good works, I'm going to lose relationship. No, 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 no. My relationship is the fuel and the fire for the good works. But when I'm not fulfilling purpose, this has a tendency to die. Because I'm a created individual with a created purpose. But we're trying to obtain one and kind of take the other or do one full out and I burn out. But when you understand I relationally keep my eyes on my creator, the more I'll begin to burn. But it takes the effort to release your purpose. You have all you need, but you still have to give it away. You can be burning to pray for the sick, but don't pray for the sick. You can be burning to feed the hungry in our community, but don't feed the hungry. You understand the more you tap into Jesus, the more your heart will burn for your created purpose. But it's going to take your effort to release it. Uh, I wasn't going to go here, but I, I like this. Uh, the other day I was in here and the Lord began to speak to me about the dry bones. In Ezekiel chapter 37, is it 36, 37? Uh, uh, about the dry bones. And I, I was amazed by this, but it says that the hand of God took uh, Ezekiel and he, and he put him in the valley of dry bones. And I was just thought that was so cool that God transported Ezekiel to the valley of dry bones. But he, he said he surrounded him with dry bones. And I, I, want, I want you to see something. When he addressed Ezekiel, he addressed him, son of man. Who did God say he had given the earth to in chapter Psalm 115? The Son of Man. He identified him by his authoritative position. He said, Son of Man. And then he said, can these dry bones live? This is the planet that Ezekiel has been given authority to release God's rulership on. He said, Son of Man, can these bones live? He said, only you know, Lord. Connection and communion with his Creator. And then he said, then prophesy. He made him aware to the impossibility, but now is possible as he's talking to his father. But then he gave him a commission that you're going to have to put effort into. Can these dry bones live? I am now made aware to an impossibility that a few minutes ago I'm looking around like, man, this is dry and this is desolate. But all of a sudden in a conversation with my creator, I am made aware of a possibility that I may not have seen a minute ago. And as he made him aware of the impossibility becoming possible, he said, I need you to prophesy. He didn't say, I'm going to speak it out and you pray in tongues. He said, no, I'm going to tell you what to say. I'm going to give you the commission. Jesus. Let's look at it this way. I have a commission. It's Jesus. He already told me what to do. It, it, okay, let's go here. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to jump all over the place, but it's going to be good. 
Uh, Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16. Write that down. Let me finish that thought. And so what happens is, is he makes him aware to a possibility he didn't know thus far up to this point. And because of it, he in communion with his creator, he knows the solution to the problem, but God is a co-laborer. It literally says at the end of John, he said he sent them out and they begin to do many signs, wonders, and miracles and the Lord worketh with them. They were doing the work God was working with them. That blows my mind. It takes so much responsibility off of God and puts it on creation because you were created with a purpose. But if God put a, a, a commission on a creation that had no purpose, it would be too heavy of a burden. But because you're designed, what he's putting on you is your designated purpose. Then his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But when you don't understand you have purpose, when you see the need in the culture, it becomes a burden instead of an opportunity. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm, I don't want to talk too fast. Uh, did you write Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16? Okay, I, I want to read this scripture and then I'm going to talk about these gifts I'm talking about, okay? Uh, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Check this out. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In John chapter 1 verse 4, it says that in Christ was life and that life was the light of men. I am in life because of Christ Jesus. That life is the light and that light is meant to illuminate my good deeds. Are, are you understanding me? I step into life because I'm created in Christ Jesus. When I'm born again, I'm recreated into the original Zion. I'm born again into Jesus Christ. So therefore, I inherit life. That life is the light of men. That light right here, he says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. My life in Christ Jesus is meant to illuminate the good works that flow forth from my life light shining forth is for the seeing of the good deeds all right uh man holy spirit help me i, I want to talk about a couple promises am i good on time i want to talk about just a couple promises that i, I just stumbled upon in isaiah y'all write these down real quick isaiah 65 and uh verse 20 and then isaiah 11 uh verse uh, 8 through 9 I stumbled upon these and read them for the first time ever, but I want to bring a new perspective talking about good works and the fulfillment of promises due to our good works. All right, so look at 65 verse 20. This, I don't know why, I just wept over this when I read it. It says, No more shall an infant from their life there live but a few days. No longer should an infant live but a few more days. Disease, sickness, all these things that come and attack our, our newborn babies that are dying from cancer and stuff like that. No more shall the infant live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. Where am I? For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Uh, that just goes on and exaggerates more and more of these promises. Now jump over to Isaiah 11, verse 8 and 9. 
I'm, I'm reading these promises. I'm like, what, what are these promises, Lord? I, I, like, how, how do we step into the fullness of these promises? And this is, this is where it just blew me away. Uh, uh, chapter 11, verse 8 and 9. He said, The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the winged child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, the high place, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Now check this out in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It said that they could do these kind of things that we would look at as destructive. Like if a kid got near a stake at Benham, we would just automatically think, man, that's terrible, that's horrible. Or these infants dying young, or men not fulfilling their purpose, dying too soon. Look at for, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. This just, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm amazed by this because I, I just read those promises. I'm like, they're so phenomenal. I want to know how we, we step into them, how we see more of the fulfillment of these amazing promises. And it's, uh, let's see, what did I say? 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14, it said, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. What did it just say would fulfill these promises? When His knowledge filled the earth. Where do people get His knowledge from? Us diffusing His fragrance. What diffuses His fragrance? Our good works. He said, Men will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He said, When we begin to release good works, His knowledge actually begins to be known on the earth and then all of a sudden promises begin to arise out of what has been prophesied over the earth for thousands of years we actually begin to inherit promises of the old because we're releasing something so people can know God is who he says he is that we don't have to go out and try to conquer the world. But when I do good deeds, the little things, I actually begin to let people know, have knowledge of God. And when His knowledge begins to fill the earth, promises begin to rise from the depths because God said, My word never comes back void. We think God's promises are void. He's not. He's waiting for the diffusing of His knowledge. And as His knowledge is diffused, the promises begin to come up from the depths of what has been spoken throughout eternity. There are promises still in our community. There are promises sitting dormant right now in our community. And did you know they're waiting on you to do the good deeds? That your good deeds will actually be the knowledge of God. You think you're just buying grocery. You're revealing the knowledge of God. Therefore, the prophesy, the prophecies of Isaiah are beginning to rise up in Colombia. And LaSalle. Y'all should get excited about this. Think about the promises. Go read this thing. If you ain't reading it enough, go find some promises in here. Be, be expectant of when you do the little thing, the promises are beginning to come forth that have been prophesied because God's word will not come back void. Okay, I, I, I know I jumped all over the place. Y'all just stay with me. Ah, goodness. Gifts and good works. I want to talk about this really fast. Uh, Everything I talk about, but I don't even know about. <laughs> Go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 11. So here's, here's what I want to talk about uh, uh, as far as what I said a minute ago. A lot of times we tie good works to gifts, or we tie good works to what I'm good at. And if we do that, we actually dwindle down the fullness of God being manifest through our lives. Because uh, I, I, as I read this, let's just read it, okay? 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 4 through 11. 
1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 11. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 11. Got it. She got it. There are different diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are difference of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of the Spirit. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Okay, I'm going to need to slow down a little bit. All right, it says multiple times in Jesus' ministry. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. And when we see him in the garden, he says, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus was the manifestation of God's will. He was the epitome of God's will. He didn't leave anything out. He didn't put anything in there that wasn't supposed to be in there. Jesus was the fullness of God's will on earth manifest. And we see right here that he hands gifts out as he wills. And the majority of my life, I've always seen this is he hands it out as he wills. In other words, he went down the road. He said, I will that you have healing. I I will that you have words of knowledge. I will that you have prophecy. I will that you have exhortation. And he went down the road as he willed to give out the gifts. But see, here's the thing. What do we do with the scripture when he said, I've given you everything pertaining to life and godliness? Does that mean that some of that is godly and some of it is not? Because if so, then that means that he didn't give me everything I needed. Because here's what I want you to check out. He said he orders the steps of a righteous man. So a person in right relationship with Jesus, his steps are ordered. So does that mean when he ran you into the sick person that he didn't give you the gift so he's caught off guard that you bumped into him that day? When you ran into somebody that needed encouragement, did that mean that you haven't been given the gift of exhortation so he was messed up in where he sent you that day? I want you to check something out because here's what I want you to see. It says he gives these gifts. I love the way Bill Johnson said it. He said the way he's beginning to see gifts is like in a sanctuary in worship. If Jesus begins to distribute out gifts, he said, okay, Scott, tomorrow he's going to run into a lady that needs healing. Here you go. Here's healing. You got the gift you need. She's going to need it. You're going to run into somebody that needs to be divinely encouraged tomorrow through a word of wisdom. Here's the gift you need because you're going to run into that tomorrow. He begins to distribute out gifts as needed for where you're headed and who you are going to run into and what they will need. Because check this out. I want you to look at what these are. Because he said some he's given the gift of the word of wisdom. That word of wisdom is, you ever been talking to somebody and get divine wisdom on a problem they're having? Like they're just struggling with something and you get the Holy Spirit's wisdom on a situation. You give them a gift. It gives them breakthrough. They begin to step into breakthrough because the word of wisdom you've given them. All right, But it says in Proverbs that we should seek out wisdom. Right? In James, he said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He was making reference towards if you ask for wisdom, you'll get it. Don't doubt it, and you'll receive it. Well, so what does that mean? Does that mean he gives a gift of wisdom, and I shouldn't search for it because it's a gift, so then I can't get wisdom? 
You see what I'm saying? I want to break this down practically because I want you to understand you have what you need when you encounter a problem. This is not a gift where he said some work in it and some do not because that would make us specialists and that would make God unaware of where we would end up at. I'll go ahead and tell you, when I'm in Africa, if I bump into somebody needing healing this day, but tomorrow I bump into somebody who needs a word of wisdom, I can't call somebody in the middle of the bush that says, you got the gift of the word of wisdom. God didn't design us to operate that way. I'm going to continue to read. I I hope you all take time and listen to me. Okay, He said, I've given you the word of wisdom. To another, I've given the word of knowledge through the same spirit. Knowledge is just being revealed to what the problem is. I I, I operate sometimes. I'm growing in the word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is just being made aware of something that you couldn't see with your natural eyes. That's all that is. He's making you aware. He used it at the well with the woman at the well. He said, you've been married five times. The woman, the guy you're with right now, you're not even married to. The word of knowledge exposed the inadequacy in her life so he could bring healing. I don't have a gift of words of knowledge. I carry the gift when the gift is needed. Because the Holy Spirit's in me and he manifests the very gift. The gift is not for me. The gift is for the individual. He said, freely you've been given, so freely you give. I get the word of knowledge when they need the word of knowledge. I get the word of wisdom when they need the word of wisdom. I get the word of prophecy when they need the prophetic word. I get the word of encouragement when they need the word of encouragement. But we have for so long understood this, that you have that gift, so I don't have that gift. And I didn't get that gift. But if you don't realize it, if you read this, and just to be honest with you, I was reading it with the Holy Spirit, I I can't live without any of these. Because if at any given time I don't have these, I honestly don't think I can fulfill the gospel. And I've called to fulfill the good news. Because you look at this. Because it goes on to say another by faith by the same spirit. I, I love this story uh, from a pastor. His name, he'll probably, he might watch it. Josh Alpers in Texas. He was telling us a story. I'm going to get a little bit of the details wrong, but the overall will be right. I promise. <laughs> and what he was saying was, is when him and his wife lived in Africa, they were in a building and they had, the, I think it was it one or two guys that were possessed. Josh, I, I want to say it was several that were demon possessed in this room. And they were trying to cast these demons out. And they could not get these things to go. Like, couldn't. And he said, out of nowhere, this funny-looking white dude just just didn't look like he should be there at all. He busted up in the room, and he begins to command demons out of these things. And they begin to flee, and they begin to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. He goes down the road and gets every one of them, all of them. And he said, then the guy left, and he never seen him again. He said, for years, he said, I... I couldn't wait to run in that guy. I said, I did that for an hour and didn't have no breakthrough. I needed to know what this guy did differently. He said, then one day he showed up to a conference and the dude was sitting on the front pew. He said, oh my God. He ran over and sat by and he said, dude, you remember that time in Africa? You cast them demons out. And he said, before he could finish, that dude goes, I know, wasn't that crazy? I've never seen that again. So Josh was expecting this dude's got the gift of faith. But what it was is he did. He had the gift of faith for the need. And he manifested that gift. It wasn't that that gift was some great manifestation that was prophesied over his life. He was literally tapped into the gift God gave him and he manifested. Josh said, I was so disappointed. He said, I was expecting some insight or something. He was like, man, that was awesome, wasn't it? <laughs> he was so blown away. But I, I want to keep reading. Stay with me, okay? Uh, uh, to another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. If that was a gift that was only given to certain people, why did he say these signs will follow those who believe? Does that mean if you believe, you get the gift, but if you don't, you don't get the gift? But he was saying if you just believe, these will follow you. you don't. And the gift is there when it's needed. 
It's, it's not a preordained gift that you got when you were born that He just mapped all out for you. He said they were predestined good works. I read that a while ago. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he said they're predestined good works. He knew where you would be and what you would need to manifest to them to see his true knowledge. But if I believe it's for the specialist, I won't manifest his fullness, and then therefore I'm not diffusing his knowledge, then therefore I'm not seeing his promises resurrected. Okay, y'all just stay with me. I promise I'm going to try to finish quick. I got to go through. I don't want to leave anything unturned. To another working of miracles. To another prophecy. Did you know that prophesying is just declaring the word of the Lord? What believers should not be able to operate in prophecy? You're, you, it, it could even be just declaring this in the moment. But I love it because he said it's a gift. Have you ever had a scripture that you didn't even know was in here and all of a sudden you just get it? He regurgitates it to you and you prophesy the word of knowledge or the word, the, the word of the prophetic word when you're just declaring, thus says the Lord over this situation. I, it wasn't because I was a prophet. I was given the gift of prophecy because he gave me everything I needed for every good work. He didn't leave anything out. You, are, you don't have to be in the office of a prophet. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor or a teacher or whatever. You can be you because you're poema. You're the poem. But you are workmanship, designed, predestined for every good work you need. When you ran into the sick person, God wouldn't call off guard by it and say, Man, I, I was supposed to give them the gift of healing. Man, they ran into somebody who needed encouragement today, and I didn't give them that gift. Darn it. I should have sent somebody else today. No, we've been looking at this from a perspective that I need to be a specialist. I need to have some prophetic word over me that gave me the gift. I needed impartation. I love impartation, don't get me wrong. But I, you, you got to hear what I'm saying. We think we're receiving a mantle. And he's saying, no, you're just receiving a gift. I love what Bill Johnson said the other day. He said he was in service one time and somebody walked up and gave him a $30,000 check. But it was for his friend, Chris Fountain. And he said he was supposed to keep it for Chris. And he said, when it come time, you know, no long story, he gave the check to Chris. He said, I was giving a check I didn't write. God wrote their healing. You're just delivering the check. He gave them that gift. You're just delivering the gift. All right. To another different kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. And I, I'm not, I hope you all know this is not a prideful thing. I was just kind of like self-assessing as I looked at these. And not saying in a great way or all that I'm learning. I feel like at, every, at some point in my life, the majority of these, but just being totally honest with you, except for the interpretation of tongues, I've gotten to work in all these in a small fashion. They may, I'm just learning, I'm stepping into them, but I just begin to just be honest with the Holy Spirit and say, if I'm going to teach this, the understanding you're giving me, I have to look back at my my life and say, well, am I operating in one gift and not another? Have I missed out on one thing? And you just begin to say, you're a baby in it. You're crawling because you haven't fully understand. But at some point or another, I've seen the manifestation of these gifts. And it's not because I'm special or anything like that. It's just because there was a need and I knew my purpose was to fulfill the need. Because I am the diffusal of God's knowledge in the earth. And I can't call my pastor when I don't think I have the gift I need. Okay. Uh, let's go down, and I, I, I want to I approach this scripture because a lot of times we'll go down and read a little more. And if you read on, and it said, uh, go to jump down to verse 27 in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, it says, Now you are the body of Christ, excuse me, and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. Check that out. He said, in the church. Because a lot of times, if you were to say what I'm talking to you about now, somebody might go to these scriptures I'm about to read to you and say, well, what about this? 
And it says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, variety of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he goes into talking about love. He said, I've given you all these things. God has appointed these in the church. You know why? Because he didn't want total chaos in the equipping of the saints. He didn't want a big jumbled up amount of people fighting. That's why right before that he goes into the spirit of comparison. He begins to tear down comparison. He said, you're a hand, be a hand. You're a foot, be a foot. He was talking about within the workings of the church, the equipping of the saints. He didn't want total chaos in what was going on in the spirit of comparison battle. Well, Josh prophesied, I better prophesy, prophesy. Because Josh prophesied, I'm not in here to battle it out with you because you've been appointed in the body for the equipping of the saints. Do you see that? Do you see that in the scripture? The Holy Spirit began to show this to me because a lot of times we'll go to this and be like, well, he said not all work in the gift of healing. What I just told you. There's been people like we've seen with Pastor Rodney come in here. A gift of healing. You would call that a gift of healing. What was he doing? Equipping the church. How many of you left here with your faith raised that you could go pray for the sick and they would be healed? Because he came in, he released his gift within the body of the church that you may be raised up in the understanding of the gift, the manifestation, the payment of healing in Jesus Christ and then go out in the world and release it. When Scott prophesies, it doesn't mean that I can't prophesy. He is the prophet of this house. He operates in that office that he may equip us as a body to be enlightened to new depths of hearing God's voice and declaring his word. He's giving me his gift. Scott is releasing his gift that my faith may be raised that when I go out I can prophesy. He, God was, Jesus, or Paul was dealing here. I don't want total chaos in the church and a battling of comparison because you're the pastor and I need to take your spot. No, he was saying, that's your gift. You're appointed to it in the church and I don't need to be the pastor because that's your gift. I sit on the pew and receive the equipping from the pastor that I may be empowered so I can go out there and do pastoral things. I can go pastor a community. I don't need to be called a pastor to pastor people. You're the pastor. I don't need to fight with you. You're the prophet. I don't need to fight with you. You're, you. We don't have to fight within the internalness of the church. I know my gift and I give my gift. I release it. That's why I tell y'all testimony of the healings I see out there because I want your faith to be increased. I have a personal responsibility under the gift of healing in the house to tell you about testimony that your faith be raised. I'm held accountable to my gift in the church. But when I leave, I don't think I only have the gift of healing so I can't encourage. I only have the gift of healing so I can't prophesy. I only have the gift of healing so I can't give the word of knowledge. I only have the gift of healing so I can't give the word of wisdom. No, I have whatever is needed in this moment. And that understanding of that scripture changed for me in this study. And all of a sudden I seen I don't have to be scared of whatever the need is. I'm not a specialist. I'm not a heart doctor, Scott. I'm a whatever's needed doctor. I'm bringing the Holy Spirit and he ain't lacking nothing. You have got the spirit of the living God.
feel the empowerment of his residency in your home. Do you hear me? Feel the power of the residency he takes up in your home. Begin to connect with it. Begin to say, I don't lack in any area. I don't have to have a gift. He's going to give the gift when the gift is needed. Understand that you've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. And there's no exceptions to the rule. You're not an exception. He didn't miss you when he was pouring out all the gifts. He gave you what you need. He knew who you'd run into. And he needed you to be aware. Because it's your purpose to manifest good works. I hope y'all are with me. Good. I love y'all so much. Second Peter, write this down if you took notes. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. According to his great power, he has given everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. This house is full of gifts that he just said right here. God has appointed these in the church. Do not be jealous of another one's strength in an area in this house. He dealt with that. That's why he went into saying, if you're a foot, be a foot. If you're a hand, be a hand. Because he was explaining, I don't need you fighting or being uh, belittled because you're not as strong in an area as someone else. You want to know why they're strong? To encourage you. Draw from their strength. Don't be jealous of their strength. Be encouraged by their strength. Don't be jealous of their strength. Take from them what they had to struggle to get breakthrough. Don't go through the same struggle. Receive it with honor. Honor will position you to receive someone else's strength and breakthrough. What took them years, it may take you minutes. Through honor. Because he said if you understand why they're a hand and you exalt them for being a hand and you celebrate them for being a hand, you're one body. In other words, you're receiving the gift of the hand to go release into the world because you were meant to be the diffusal of the fragrance of God. Don't be jealous. Be empowered. When Scott begins to prophesy, don't wonder why am I not getting to give prophetic words. Colby's talking about healing. Why is that not me? Why? Why? I, I need to be like these guys. No, sit and drink and be empowered and be strong because they have a gift that God has appointed them to give. Don't try to be the pastor. You're not the pastor. Don't try to be the prophet. You're not the prophet. Prophesy, pastor. Go prophesy and pastor. Go evangelize and pray for the sick. Go do all the things God bought for you to work in. But don't be jealous. Don't battle. Don't fight. We've so long looked at this as, I'm not a specialist. I get that. I, I, I love that because that, I believe that specialist talk has a good position when we're talking about it in the church. In other words, I have the gift. I specialize in healing in the house. But if I leave out here a specialist... That world would devour you because you are not only going to run into what you're a specialist of. I feel like Africa taught me that so well because you're out in the middle of nowhere. I didn't have reception to call pastor. I didn't have reception to call my dad. The spirit of, I'll beat you up if you mess with my son. <laughs> Y'all didn't catch that. It was funny. But... <laughs> But it's funny because when you get in these positions, I learn this through experience. I, I, I don't don't get me wrong. I, my God, I'm like a baby. Like I have so much to grow in. But I just I, I learned it on those fields and being in those situations that if if I believe I'm designed for good works and I go out into my community, I, 
God didn't design me to call somebody that's equipped for this problem. But, but see, it all starts with that workmanship. That's what's changing my life. Is That's why I'm coming out of an eight-month-long eight journey where I pull back on good works. Because now I know I'm a poem. I, I don't need to be anybody else. I, I'm the perfect creative expression of my dad. And I don't need to be you. Because if I try to be you, this thing gets fuzzy looking. And then all of a sudden I get into self-evaluation because I'm trying to be something and make something harder than it was ever designed to be. But when I understand I'm just a poem, I'm his workmanship, but I was written with a purpose. And when he wrote me down and put me on the planet in 2019, it was for good works. He predestined them. And I'm not going to be scared of what's in front of me because I'm not lacking anything. And I don't need to call somebody. And I don't need to pray it in. It's just there. It's what I need when I need it because his will is to give it as it's needed. Would y'all stand and let me pray for you? I know I talk really fast, and I, I'm growing in that. I promise. Thank y'all for letting me grow in this house. I really appreciate y'all bearing with me, this chaos that is preaching. But I, I promise what I've studied and prayed over for weeks, I, I didn't just throw this together seven minutes before you got here. I, I, I took a lot of time because this is something that's always bothered me because I hate to see people leave hurting people hurting because they don't think they have what they need. And then they're waiting on somebody else to come be successful in the arena you're called to. I, I love it because you see it in the story of David. You want to just play just a little bit for me? Not much. You see it in the story of David with Saul's armor. He, he went out and they said, yeah, David was called to kill Goliath. I, I know that that was his destiny, was to kill Goliath. And it positioned him to be exalted before the kingdom. To know that, man, this dude, I mean, look at, his, look at his journey, his history. But what's crazy is they tried to get him to do it looking like somebody else and doing it somebody else's way. But he was prepared for it. He, he'd, been, he'd been watching over sheep, and he had killed a bear and a lion. He, he was prepared. And, and he didn't need to get something else. He didn't need to call somebody else. He didn't need to call Saul's armor in or his armor bears to go out there with him. I, I've been preparing for this. I, I'm ready. It's part of my destiny. I, I've come here today to bring bread to my brothers, and God's not caught off guard by that. He sent me on a particular day at a particular time because Goliath would need to be destroyed today, and I'm ready. This, this is the commission that you are what you are needed in those areas, those arenas. Don't, don't, I can't go into your arena and have victory. You're, it's your arena. I don't need to go to your job and pray for the sick people. You're at your job. Pray for the sick people. That, that lady needs that encouragement. You don't have to text out pastor or number or Josh or Courtney or, or Taylor or me. Or, you don't have to do that. You, you've been given the word of wisdom that she needs. You've been given the prophetic word. You've been given the word of knowledge. You ever check out somewhere and 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 it said one of those gifts is the discerning of spirits. You ever went in somewhere and and you just something feels off kilter, like you were just good until that moment. That's a that's a gift. And there's a reason the Lord's talking to you. He's wanting you to break something down in a place. You ever been talking to somebody that you're checking out with and and then all of a sudden you. You, you just feel like something's off. You, you just do it. Did you know that a lot of times God's wanting to talk to you through a word of knowledge that you can reveal and know what actually is wrong, that you can bring their healing? 
But if you think it needs to be through somebody else, you won't even tap into what's available in the inside of you. So can I pray this over us? That I, I know how this is when you're just fearful. And, and it's hard to come over it sometimes when you just thought so long one way and you, and you want to be that answer. You hate leaving somebody broken. You hate leaving somebody hurting. And you want to be that answer. You are that answer. You're the diffusing of God's knowledge in the world. It's who you are, Cody. You don't, you don't need nobody else, bro. You got it. You got it. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. Holy Spirit, and I know you're going to close the gap where I may have messed this up. God, I just pray you make it clear to them that we are not a church of the specialists. We're the church of the sons and daughters. We're a church of his beloved. And we got all these great gifts. Thank you, Father, for the gifts in this house. Thank you for our pastor, our associate pastor, the men of God and the women of God in this house. Thank you so much for those gifts that equip us. But, God, I thank you that we're not lay people that, out, that, that, that need somebody to come save us and be the saving grace. We are the inheritance of God. We are the revealing of his knowledge. God, and I pray, strip away our fears tonight. Strip away our years of disappointment. Strip it all the way. Strip it all the way down to the mercy and grace of Jesus on our life. And God, make us aware of you of your presence in us, that we are the poem, man, I'm so creatively written about. God knew who I would be. He knew who I would be. And he didn't change a thing. Let us be empowered that we are created, not just born. Let us find encouragement and courage through my created purpose. God, I thank you that promises that have been laying dormant in Caldwell, in LaSalle Parish, in Louisiana, in the south of the United States, and all of the United States, God, just promises that have been laying dormant are going to begin to come to life like that one in Isaiah, that our infants aren't going to die early and our old men aren't going to die too soon. God, they're not going to die before their, their measured day due to a disease or hurting. God, God, our infants aren't going to die early to cancer, God, but our infants are going to walk in to, to pits where snakes are and nothing can even harm them because the presence of God is so strong on the planet because our promises are coming back to life. Because I, I, I prayed, God, use me. And then I went out and bought the groceries. And then I went out and gave the dollar. Then I went out and bought that kid Christmas. And then I went out and prayed for the sick. And I prophesied and I encouraged because it's who I am. And these good works were predestined by my dad. And this is what I'm going to do because I believe in the promises of God. I believe they're not dead, but they're just dormant. I believe that when I release good works, they're coming back to life. I believe that curses are being broken because promises are being made new. I believe because I hope, and this hope does not disappoint. I hope because this hope does not disappoint. I believe, so therefore I do. I do because I know who I am. I don't do to become someone. I know whose I am, and therefore I release these good works. I release them in the name of Jesus. I thank you that we are going to be the church of the small thing, the little thing. And because of it, I'm going to be confident to pray for the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and pray for lepers in Jesus' name because I bought the groceries and I gave the guy a ride. 
and I bought him something to drink and I clothed the naked and I did it under the least of these and the whole time I was doing it to God. And the whole time it was like I was putting a shirt on God. The whole time it was like I was feeding God. The whole time it was like I was fixing God's porch because even when I do it under the least of these, I'm doing it under my dad. And son, he takes it personal. God, I thank you that you take your creation personal. God, I thank you that you take your creation personal. (laughs) And God, tomorrow, when this core group wakes up, God, when we just wake up tomorrow, there's going to be a fresh breath of air that we just begin to breathe in, and it's your presence, Yahweh. Oh, my God, I just believe it. Just take this in for a minute. God, I thank you that you take your creation so personal. And that, man, we're just going to be so ready tomorrow. We're going to be so ready tomorrow. God, for whatever predestined good work is in my path, I am. I prophesy, and I can pray for the healing, and I can get the word of knowledge. Come on, begin to say that to yourself. I can prophesy. I can pray for the sick. I can give the word of knowledge. I do have the word of wisdom. I have everything needed for every good word. Come on, just say that over yourself. Say it so you believe it before we leave. I know it's late. I promise. Let's go. Just say it. Just say, I have the healing in my hands. I have the word of knowledge the lady's going to need. I have the word of wisdom. I have the word of encouragement. I have the prophecy prophetic word that's going to break somebody's destiny wide open when they become aware of the knowledge of God. Thank you, Father. We praise you for it. In Jesus' holy, holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.